It's Uncovered, and welcome to another Wednesday. I'm Anthony Davis. He's Ron Filipkowski. How are you doing, Ron? Great, great. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Another great week of crazy politics for us to uncover. We uh, do our best to expose the far-right propaganda that is not uncovered by the mainstream media. Um, should just say that the kind of breaking news at the moment is that Donald Trump Jr. is uh, currently taking the stand in the Trump civil fraud trial in New York. Uh, Prosecutor Colleen Furty, who uh, led the questioning of Michael Cohen last week, is at the helm for the Attorney General's office. And it's the first time that Trump Jr. has been inside the courtroom since the start of the case. He's listed as a defendant, uh, along with his brother, Eric Trump. And much of this morning's testimony has been about the idea that the Trump organization got lower interest rates because they inflated the value of their assets on financial documents. Um, this is this is kind of interesting, isn't it? Because all I really see, Ron, of Donald Trump Jr. is kind of late night drunken postings of him sitting in his living room. And I'm looking at the tchotchkes on his mantelpiece and trying to work out a little bit about his life just from those little clues. How's he going to perform on the stand? Well... I've just followed a little bit. He's only been on the stand for about an hour. So yeah. there's there hasn't been a lot of testimony yet. But uh, yeah, this has been a day that he's been complaining about on his podcast for weeks, uh, <laughs> bitching about it. The fact that he's being dragged into court at all. He doesn't think he should have to do it. He said he hasn't had anything to do with his father's business dealings in years. Uh, so he has nothing to do with any of this, that it, this is all his dad. Uh, but clearly he, he must have something. I mean, one of the, one of the first questions that was brought out is how he makes his money right now, how he gets paid and he's still on his dad's payroll for his dad's company. So, so I guess he's, he's doing nothing and just continuing to draw a check. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll keep one eye on it. I mean, I'm not expecting any revelations in the short term, but that's just something that's kind of happening whilst we are on air. Of course, we're live here on the Midas Touch Network, and you're welcome to contribute with your chat as you do and comments. And don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, all the usual stuff. And uh, a shout out to the Midas Mighty as well. Uh, Okay, talking of Trumps, it's uh, Donald Trump. He's uh, been ordered by a judge to take the stand for violating the gag order. Um, Finds his testimony not credible, is what uh, you were saying in your Twitter post. Just tell us a little more detail on this. Well, you know, we caught him violating his gag order the first time, which was last week, uh, when he continued to leave the post up uh, berating the judge's clerk. So then here he here he is out in the lobby, and um, the judge has ordered him to stop giving press conferences inside the courthouse. It's not legal. You're not allowed yeah. to give press conferences. But he continues to do it. And this time it got himself in trouble because during a lunch break, he said he he's not the gag order is not allowed to disparage the judge's clerk. Right. And what he said was he was he was disparaging the judge as usual. And then he said, and the person sitting next to the judge is even worse than he is. And and so everybody thought, or well, he tried to make out that he was talking about Michael Cohen, and it turned out, of yeah. course, he was talking about the judge's clerk, who is somebody who he is specifically not allowed to reference. Right. So when when he said that, of course, we posted it on Midas, on yeah. our website, online, and a sort of a firestorm hit. So when they come back from the break, the judge 
uh, is fuming and he calls him up to the stand, which shocked everybody, you know, yeah. and it, but it's a civil trial. So, you know, there's no Fifth Amendment here. And he called him to the stand and he questioned him and he, and he asked him one question, you know, which is when you said person sitting next to me, who were you referring to? And of course, Donald Trump lied and said, oh, judge, I meant Michael Cohen. No, he did not. Uh, he meant the judge's court. So the judge said, I find you to be not credible. I don't believe you, which was good up to that point. But then, unfortunately, he only only got hit with a $10,000 fine. So, you know, once again, which is like nothing. It's a joke to him. You yeah, know, it's the um, kind of change he finds down cracks in the sofa. Yeah. I used to think that about people when I lived in London, the big department store is Harrods and very kind of wealthy Middle Easterns would show up in their supercars. You know, like Bugatti Veyrons, like hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar cars, and they would never pay to park, Ron. They would just double park the cars, and then they would get a parking ticket. And I used to think, you know, that parking ticket is the equivalent of me doing pay and display or paying for a meter. You know, it's all relative, isn't it? And this right. is part. This is part of the problem that that for those of us, you know, who live in the real world, we want to see Donald Trump punished accordingly to to income right and 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 five or ten thousand dollars is i mean what does he think when he gets do you think he feels it when he gets hit with a 10 grand um f fine do you think that that is there any part of his body that goes Oof, i'm gonna have to work a bit harder to make that back no not in any way i saw an interview um i think it was on cnn of one of his former lawyers from a long time ago who basically said last night the only thing he's going to just keep violating these gag orders. The only thing that's going to stop him is to put him in jail for a night. Right. And if he just does a night in jail, that's the only thing that's going to get him to stop. But because he absolutely will not stop until that happens. And Alina Harbour was on Fox Business, I think, being interviewed about, you know, do you think Trump will ever go to jail? And she's like, it's not even something we're thinking about. <laughs> right. I mean, she's. Yeah, what is the I, mentality of that? I mean, if that is true, um, because I think with the ego and the narcissism and living in that kind of information silo of, of Trump world, the idea of him going to prison is not even on their in their wheelhouse. That is a very interesting question you bring up. OK, I think Trump thinks about it a lot because, yeah. I mean, you can see that he's posting. I see that he posts it. 2.30, 3.30, 4.30 in the morning yeah. about, you know, this subject. And so clearly it's on his mind 24 hours a day. It's his greatest fear. And we've heard from sources behind the scenes saying that he's worried about, will I go to a nice prison? Will it? Will I be alone? Will be there be other inmates? So he, he's talked about, like, what it would be like in prison with some some confidants. So, so we know that. But I will say MAGA, his supporters they're in complete denial that this is a possibility. Yeah. They, they don't even consider it. You know, I, I converse regularly with people on his campaign team and things like that, and, and they don't even want to talk about it. Like, it's no. not something that the, they even consider. But one, one more point I'll say, and that is Ron DeSantis, because, you know, somebody asked him, uh, his, his one, somebody, one of his senior members of his campaign, if he'll drop out if he performs poorly in, in, in Iowa, and what he said was that DeSantis is in this race with the eventuality that something could happen to Trump. Mm -hmm. And what that means, what how I interpret that is 
the whole DeSantis campaign is predicated on him going to prison. And but we, and we talked about May. this weeks yeah. ago, didn't we? Yeah. Like we, we were yeah. under the impression that because DeSantis doesn't stand a chance, but he is in second place, is the reason to stick around. Because, and put reason. up with put up with all the abuse that he seems to be getting in the meantime, because he thinks he might get it by default. It also means that if he gets wins the primary, he ain't going to win the election. And and that is you know again from a from the Democrats' perspective, it's not such a bad thing, right, to have Ron DeSantis opposing Joe Biden. Well, it, it may be Nikki Haley, or um, Nikki Haley you know, yeah. because that's his biggest problem now is he's got to fight off Nikki Haley for second. And, um, and I think what we're going to see in the upcoming debate, which I think is tomorrow night is the next Republican debate. I think you're going to see DeSantis and Haley really go at each other because with, especially with Pence being dropping out and some of the others dropping out, it's pretty, and, and Vivek fading. It's pretty clear. Now the battle is going to be between DeSantis and Haley the rest of the way for the, the second yeah. place. Yeah. I just can't see Republicans voting for a female en masse. You know, I just feel that that kind of old boys club of white male Republicans being that kind of, you know, having the kind of majority stake in this party. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I would, you know, I'm, I'm all for a female president, of course. But I just don't know if the Republicans are the ones to serve that up. Um, I should also just say on the Alina Haber story is that she, her reasoning for Trump not going to prison was because he has Secret Service protection. <laughs> and she kept saying, oh, well, you know, the Secret Service are protecting him, so it's not possible for him to go to prison. That is their, or certainly her argument in this case. Yeah, I, I've heard that before, too, uh, which is, you know, well, you know, he's entitled to Secret Service protection, so that's just not going to work. No, I mean, obviously, this has never happened before uh, that a president, you know, has gone to former president's gone to prison. But I think what would happen is he's going to there's going to be special arrangements made. He's going to be in a separate wing. He clearly will not come into contact with general population. Yeah. He will have, I guess, some of his own security there. I can't imagine that detail is going to be a great gig for a Secret Service agent to have to stay in prison with Trump. Right. But but yeah, I, I think that special accommodations are going to be made. You know, he's he's clearly not going to be, you know, in the prison yard with the other inmates. It'll be like um, it'll be like a follow up to the Super Size Me movie where he only requests McDonald's for every meal. And right. they'll be like, OK, <laughs> I look I, forward I said, to him doing that. I the, said the Morgan Spurlock. I said a couple years ago, we'll give him a private suite. We'll yeah. give him a golden toilet seat in his cell. Yeah. We'll give him as many Big Macs as he wants. I don't care. I'll give him all that stuff. Just put him there. <laughs> Get him out of society. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we, we haven't really mentioned that he's, his videos are becoming increasingly aligned with, with Russia, with Hezbollah. It's like it's so weird to see him panicking and then and also we should mention his you know obsession with Viktor Orban you know the 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 um uh president of uh, is it Turkey or <laughs> is it Hungary I can't quite remember anyway I'll ask Donald Trump I'm sure he can qualify that but uh you know this alignment with these dictators is only increasing at the moment it really is I mean he's he's gone from just sort of uh, saying some nice things every once in a while about them to now just going out of his way to praise them and, yeah. and to hold them up as the ideal. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I posted today that uh, 
he sent a MAGA hat to Victor Orban, a personally autographed MAGA hat. And Orban posted a picture of him wearing it on... Uh, it's like on another Kim Jong bromance, isn't it? He like yeah. The only people Here that he again. likes and that will like him back are autocrats and authoritarians. I mean, that's a pretty tragic lineup of, of, of friendships, isn't it? Those are the people that he admires, you know, yeah. the people who are able to suppress a free press, uh, stamp out immigration. Uh, yeah, I mean, though, I wipe, you know, um, push down their political opponents. Uh, that's that's what he admires, because that's what he envisions for himself. Well, the theme is strength, isn't it? It's always strength. Yeah. He's Bolsonaro so was another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, let's talk about the new uh, U.S. House Speaker and how uh, Mike Johnson is, is uh, Mike Johnson is settling in. Do you have trouble remembering his name like I do? It's just one of those names that is instantly forgettable. You know, it doesn't like Kevin McCarthy was at least a name that kind of had an interesting, you know, pentameter to it. But Mike Johnson was like, what is that guy's name? Maybe it's that he's just so dull. And I was thinking yeah. this occurred it to is. me this <laughs> This occurred to me this morning, Ron. I don't know if you've ever made this connection. I don't know whether it's that kind of southern accent and the way he parts his hair and, of course, his politics. But I was like, who does he remind me of? And then I realized it was Frank Underwood from House of Cards, the role played by Kevin Spacey, you know, where he eventually gets to the presidency. But there's kind of a lot of... (laughs) a lot of similarity which is kind of really weird we're going to look at a clip of him now and we'll just talk about this because you know he he's been playing games with the with the house regarding getting aid to uh, Israel but also Ukraine and he's now leveraging the this uh, IRS uh, spend as well so let's have a quick look at this and then we can uh, talk about it 14.5 billion is the number that you're looking at and you suggest that maybe you'll get a bipartisan vote here. I sure hope so. Do you so. have any sense of the number of Democrats who you think might come? I hope that it's most or all of them. I mean, there's a few people who have philosophical differences on that, and we'll have some intense debates about their opposition to that. But look, this is a matter of good versus evil. I, I think what Prime Minister Netanyahu said just a couple of days ago is exactly right. It's good versus evil. It's light versus darkness. I spoke with him on the telephone, I think it was Saturday night. I've known him for some time, and we, we spoke in those very clear terms, and we understand what's at stake here. And I hope that everyone will put politics aside, get that bill over the line. We're going to have pay-fors in it. Um, we're not just going to print money and send it overseas, because the other concern we have that is overriding this is our own strength as a nation, which is tied to our fiscal stability. And that's a big problem that we have as well. We have to keep it in mind as we try to help everyone else. How is it going to be paid for? Um, we're going to be releasing that here shortly, but okay. um, we, we, my intention and my desire in the first uh, draft of this bill is to take some of the money that has been set aside for the IRS, building and bulking up the IRS right now. They have about $67 billion in that fund, and we'll, we'll try to take the 14.5 necessary for this immediate and urgent need. We'll deal with the rest of that issue later. Do you think that will drive away some Democrats in the Senate it, even or here in the House? It may, but my intention is to call uh, Leader Schumer over there and have a very uh, direct and thoughtful conversation about this. I understand their priority is to bulk up the IRS, uh, but I think if you put this to the American people and they weigh the two needs, I think they're going to say standing with Israel and protecting the innocent uh, over there is in our national interest and is a more immediate need than IRS agents. It went on a little longer there than I was expecting. Um, he's, fr- he's Frank Underwood, isn't he? 
I mean, we could spend an hour just dissecting that clip because there's so much you can learn about Mike Johnson there. The first mm. thing you can learn is he's not ready for prime time. No. I mean, this is a guy who in his first, the first half of that statement, he, it was all about him saying, we got to put politics aside and come together. And I'd really like Democrats to support this. And, and we're not going to make this a political issue. We're going to make this all about Israel. The second half, he, he did the exact opposite. He said, we're going to take an issue that is very important to Democrats that they passed last year with with tough Republican opposition, which is funding the IRS in order to increase audits on people making over $400,000 a year who are skirting the tax laws. So what he just said there is we're going to take that away. We're going to we're going to do away with that. What you just fought a bloody fight over last year and got passed. You now have to give that up to give aid to Israel. How in the world does he think he's going to get any Democrats, any Democrats to support that? Either he's completely a moron or he knows that what he's saying is bullshit. And I think it's a little bit of both. I was going to say it's it's a little bit of both. Not only isn't that, it? Mitch but- McConnell laughed at it. When right. as soon as Mitch McConnell heard it, he said, "Well, that's that's dead on arrival. That's yeah. never going to happen." So even his own, even the Republican leader of the Senate laughed at it. So so his first act as Speaker, his first test is something very simple, which is just to get an aid package through to Israel, which both parties support. But he has to attach this poison pill into it, and now he's spinning his wheels, and he's going to take the L. He's going to take a loss on this in his very first move as speaker. Do you think that he could see a mutiny like Kevin McCarthy did, and actually he won't be speaker for very long? Because that clause that only needs one person to bring about uh, a motion to to have him removed is still exists, right? That well, didn't he, change. He wants to do away with that, though. He's already said that he doesn't want that. He 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 wants his caucus to 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 get rid of that and put it up to five or ten or or whatever. So so I I don't know. It's going to be very very difficult for him. He can't. It's one thing to be a unknown backbencher who had who ran with no opposition. He had no Democratic opponent when he was elected in twenty eight. No opponent. Yeah. So he gets elected. And he's a backbencher. Nobody knows much about him. Nobody. It's that's one thing, but trying to run the house and get things passed is something completely different. And he's shown no. He's never been in leadership. Yeah. He's shown no aptitude for the ability to get anything through the house. And he, he this thinks is his the first move. The office of speaker, a little bit, you know, like Donald Trump when the first thing that happened under his watch was was them arguing or Sean Spicer arguing about the crowd size and thinking that people would believe it because it was coming from the office of president. And it's it's like the office of speaker, which is, of course, second in line to the presidency, that, you know, if I say it, if I'm the speaker and if I say it, then people are going to have to come and work towards it. And, and, And the naivety is is extreme, isn't it? And it makes yeah. us realize how people like Nancy Pelosi played as speaker for such a long time, made, a, a, you know, used her skills, her diplomacy, her negotiation, and her knowledge of how Congress works to actually get things passed. And, and the reason why MAGA supported him and why they're so 
happy about him being speaker is because they perceive him as someone who will not compromise, who will stick to his guns, stick to right wing principles. The problem is he's never going to get anything passed if he does that. So he's going to have to compromise. So the big question is going to be when he starts compromising and it could be on this right here. How are they going to react? Is there going to be a instant mutiny? Are they going to give him a little bit of rope first? Because I don't see this going very well for Mike Johnson. We are seeing in the news media more and more coverage of the Christian nationalism, of what Mike Johnson did before he was a congressperson. He was now, it turns out, was involved in one of these pray away the gay organizations, trying to, you know, gay conversion therapy. Uh, There's all these weird questions about this boy, African-American boy that he adopted, but it turned out he didn't adopt him. And this was before he got married, but now he's not in any family photos. It, it's it's a very kind of weird history about this guy. And a lot of it is linked to these extremist Christian organizations, missionaries and, 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 and various groups. And even another point, you know, Daily Beast broke the story today that he has no money at all. He, he right. has no no bank account, no savings, no retirement, no no nothing, which is very odd. You know, and of course, the right wingers are pushing back like, well, this just means he doesn't care about lining his pockets. Well, not really. I mean, he should. He's the speaker of the house and he has no money at all. Like, like nothing. Um, It it seems very there's something not right about this guy. I think we all feel it. And the fact that he really never has been vetted, you know, when you're when you're running in a heavily Republican district with no opponent in Louisiana. Yeah. You're not getting vetted. You're, people aren't looking into why at 25. The, the scrutiny isn't there. It's a touch of the George right. Santos's maybe. Right. You know, maybe we're going to yes. find out that there's actually a lot more to this guy. And and I was reading about the income thing because, you know, I was trying to work out why doesn't he have a bank account? Well, it turns out you only have to kind of present your bank account if you've got more than $1,000 in it, right? And, right? and so maybe he hasn't i don't know but the other thing i was thinking about is a lot of people who are closely aligned with churches they tend to give all their money to the church and then the church might then give them money when they need it because he has a, a loan on his house and a few other things were were exposed as well but like how are you going to how are you going to pay for the loan on the house if you don't have a a bank account with a with a float in it to be able to make those payments it's all very weird well, I think the big question is, is he re- it, did he tell the truth on that financial disclosure? Right. That's really the question because, you know, maybe he does have stuff, but he didn't put it on there. Yeah. And that's going to get him in real hot water. So, yeah, I mean, the press is, is digging deep into this guy. What you mentioned, him, you know, adopting a black son when he was 25 years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not that, doing it officially. No. Just taking him. And, and, you know, him taking him under his wing. But that's, I mean, you know, the process for adoption is quite a complex one. But, you know, so what? Okay, I'm not going to adopt him, but I'm just going to kidnap him and have him live with me. I mean, it doesn't, it's not a story that at this stage makes sense. And obviously, in time, we'll get a lot more clarity on that. Let's just go back to the Christian nationalism story. And I, I do want to caveat this with we're not talking about moderate Christianity. You know, people are allowed to practice whichever religion that they, they believe in in this country. Um, but this is an extremist form of the faith where you are trying to convert people, 
And, and, and the worry here is that as House Speaker, a lot of his decisions will actually be decisions that are divine interventions, you know, using the Bible as his guide. And I'm just going to play this short clip where he admits that if people want to know anything about him, then they should just take a copy of the Bible off their shelves. 14.5 billion is the number that you're looking at. And you suggest someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious. People are curious. What does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's that's my worldview. That's what I believe. And so I mean, and, and you've posted a few interesting things about this being his worldview that uh, you think, you know, that his worldview starts just 5000 years ago and you know disregards anything that's come before it. Yeah, I mean, this is he takes a literal view of the Bible, Old and New Testament, as actual historical fact. Like he believes that everything in both both books are yeah. true. It yeah. is true. And I think we we clearly know that that is not the case. <laughs> you know, we we know that the that people were on the earth much longer than the Bible says. Not to you know, mention the dinosaurs, of course. You know, he believes back. in Noah's Ark. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Yes, and he he got funding yes. for a, a Noah's Ark program, didn't he? He did, like a children's. Pro- I mean, that th- his view of of Christianity. I think. Look, I'm a Christian. I know you're not. I am. You know, but we don't we don't view we don't take everything in the Bible literally. You know, um, some, but he clearly does. And I, you know, so, so when you're asked, like, what is your philosophical underpinnings? You know, most people talk about their political philosophy or they're conservative or they're neoconservative or they're America first or whatever. When he says, well, look at the Bible and that's going to tell you what I'm going to do. So he's going to be guided by, you know, scrolls and scraps of paper written 2000 years ago. That's going to, that's going to dictate and, and you know a lot of Republicans by the, that's going to dictate policy. A lot of Republicans, by the way, say the reason why we should support Israel but not Ukraine is because Israel is where Jesus is from. Right. You know, so I don't want foreign policy decided by the Bible. It, it's the problem is that whilst now it's like a bit of a novelty, and we're discussing it like it's a bit of a novelty, there is a very serious side to this. And and that it's a it's a very kind of quick path or spiral down to where the the separation of church and state, which as you've described on the show before, is not something that a lot of Republicans believe in, is that that becomes the kind of central policy of, of Congress, and and for a lot of secular people that or people of other faiths, that is going to be a problem, isn't it? Because it becomes their answer to everything. Yeah, it becomes their foreign policy. It becomes their solution to mass shootings. Mass shootings. What did he say? What was Mike Johnson's response? Yeah. Well, we've lost God. People aren't praying enough. Yeah. You know, if if we would pray more, these wouldn't happen. So so that becomes your answer to everything. Right. And it you means know, you don't do anything not. because of it, because you believe yeah. either in in God, you know, will will look after and will choose the people that, you know, will be saved. And then there's the big thing about repentance that I think about a lot, you know, where people do really bad things, but because they can go repent and confess and repent, then it kind of makes it okay. And that kind of resets the clock and then they can go do more bad stuff. That mentality, I think, is very dangerous. And that dovetails with, you know, with what we talked about. And I think we're going to talk about it in a little bit, which is, 
you know, the idea that God is on their side and, yeah. and you know, God has chosen Donald Trump and the Republican Party to lead America and the Democrats are Satan and they're the party of evil. And you heard him say in that clip, this is good versus evil. Yeah. You know, so so how can Democrats oppose this when this is good versus evil? This is God versus Satan. It's once again, you know, all the Democrats are Marxists. They don't believe in God. They they hate they hate Jesus. You know, this is this is the the new Republican theme. It, it's always been there, but now it's much more prominent. And this is just the stuff he's saying on camera. Yeah. Right. So think yeah. about how he is tempering his views for for the public. But, you know, when tapes get released of what he says in private, and we've seen a few clips of him on stage at church and, and other situations where he's preaching, you know, it's going to be a lot more extremist and explicit. And, and, and that, I think, will contribute to a future mutiny if the, I don't know, the, the I don't know how, if there is a kind of moderate wing of the Republican Party anymore in Congress, but they're not going to be happy about this. Yeah, and we we have at Midas, we have been digging and digging and digging on the old Mike Johnson stuff, yeah. finding those clips from 10, 12 years ago. And I think we're going to keep finding them and they're going to be worse and worse. Yeah. And he claimed, you know, oh, people change. And he said, oh, well, I was working as a as a lawyer then for an organization where, you know, I was I was, a, you know, I was defending them. And so he was trying to pass the buck a lot. And, yep. and actually, in my view... You know, whilst we can change a little and we can try to make change, I don't believe that he as a person, in terms of his views, I don't think that he, they would have changed much in the last decade. The one thing that we do know about him is he means what he says. He's right. not like Trump. He's not creating this fake persona. Yeah. He absolutely believes everything he's saying. So he's not a populist, which is how Trump has kind right. of played no. this. Yeah. He, he he's is... a Christian nationalist. Right. Yeah. Now, on that very subject, uh, I have a clip from a Trump rally where we're starting to see more kind of extreme views, the rise of Christian nationalism. And let's just have a quick look at this short clip of the uh, pastor, the Trump rally, and just listen to the language that he uses. Our leaders, especially President Trump, has faced scrutiny, criticism, and people have always been trying to knock him down. We need to constantly pray for them. And pray for our leaders, pray for our President Trump as he listens to God and does what he says, watches his hand move, and do what he does. Listen again. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. Amen? Amen. I'm just claiming my surprise Trump gift that I saw in the corner of that screen. Who only knows what that would be? Yeah. Um, how do you feel as a, as, a, as a Christian when you see the religion taken to a place that you weren't you know, expecting like this? Well, that's a good... I can tell you, we got a new pastor at our church, and, and, and my wife actually works at that church right. as a children's director. And, you know... One time, he, he one of his first two or three sermons, he started to go into a little bit of political stuff, and I immediately recoiled because the whole reason why we chose the church that we go to, we had the same pastor for 30 years, is because there's no politics. Right. It's just 
stick to the to the to the religion yeah no politics whatsoever and so i was immediately like look you need to tell him this is not what we want here at this church we are not a political church and so but what you're seeing there is this is this has become a big thing this year in the trump rallies it was not so much the case in 16 and 20 this is relatively new where they are bringing on these local pastors at every rally with this and this is why i record all of them and i post all of them on twitter is the message is always the same which is god has chosen trump trump is god's anointed one so when trump speaks speaks it's god talking through him so if you're opposing trump you're opposing god and that's what you just heard in that message and that is a scary thing i mean it is incredible rod if you think about it Considering that Donald Trump is the last person ever. The least godly person. Right, the least godly person. You can only imagine how he is as surprised as everybody else. But he loves it. And, you know, we talked the other week about him making up this story about someone on the golf course saying that he was more famous than Jesus. You know, he, he loves it from an ego perspective, from a narcissistic perspective. He doesn't think about it from a religious perspective because he isn't religious. And yet the projection of, of religious people and religious leaders to create this Messiah character, this complex, it, it's, it's, um, it's a confidence trick. The whole thing is a confidence trick. Because I think he saw what the televangelists were able to do in the 80s and 90s. And I yeah. think what he did is he looked at these characters like, you know, Jerry Falwell and Jim Baker and all these guys. And he probably looked at them and said, these guys aren't even very good at what they do. They're not very talented. They're they're yeah. not articulate. They're not, you know, they're not, they don't present all that well. And look, they're raking in money like crazy and they have millions of people that love them. Yeah. And he probably looked at that and goes, well, I can take that to the next level. And yeah. I can, and, and and these people are rabidly loyal. They'll do whatever you want. They'll run through a wall. There's millions of them. They'll send you all their money. And he probably looked at that like, this is beautiful. This is perfect. This is just what I need. It's like an episode of The Righteous Gemstones, which I, I highly recommend you watch, where, you know, John Goodman is the head of the pastor family. And, and they're basically just fleecing every community that they go to. And they have private yeah. planes and beautiful vehicles, and they all live in mansions in the same lot. And it's, it's the whole thing is a, is a confidence trick. And it's, I it's, always uh, compare it to Elmer Gantry, the movie. That's an old movie with... Right. Um, Burt Lancaster, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think that's who he reminds me of. I love the fact that your reference is Burt Lancaster from like 1955. <laughs> <laughs> my, my reference is from yesterday. Yeah. Um, that's what makes us friends. Listen, we have to take right. a quick pause. I want to come back and talk more about this, but I also want to talk about Tom, Tommy Tuberville, who I know you're a big fan of. Uh, he is now, you know, his blocking of these military positions is actually now really starting to become a very serious problem whilst the world is at war. We'll be back after our sponsor message here on Uncovered. 
Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bedsheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding, so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you get a better night's sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends or family. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bedsheets and since these come with three free towels you get two gifts in one just in time for the holidays stop sleeping on bacteria bacteria can clog your pores causing breakouts and acne sleep clean with miracle go to trymiracle.com uncovered to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season and we've got a special deal for our listeners save over 40 percent and if you use our promo code uncovered at checkout you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20 percent miracle is so confident in their product it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you aren't 100 percent satisfied you'll get a full refund Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered and use the code uncovered to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. That's trymiracle.com slash uncovered to treat yourself, a friend or a loved one this holiday season. We're back and we are live here on the Midas Media Network and we um, are uncovering some of the uh, drama that uh, is certainly permeating the Republican Party in the last week. Let's uh, look at Tommy Tuberville. Um, we've mentioned him a lot on this show, haven't we? And the stakes are kind of getting higher because he's like doing his own personal protest uh, because he calls himself pro-life, which is, of course, anti-abortion. And I'll play the clip and then you can tell us, Ron, how this story has changed. This weekend, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Eric Smith, suffered an apparent heart attack, according to reporting from the New York Times. The Senate only confirmed Smith for that job late last month, or last month, I should say, but he's actually been doing two jobs for months, his new one and the old one, because his would-be deputy hasn't been confirmed. And that is because Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama is blocking the Senate from what are usually perfunctory votes of grouped nominations of hundreds of general and flag officers across the military. He says he's doing it because he opposes the Pentagon's abortion travel policy, a policy, by the way, that these generals and admirals had nothing to do with adopting because that's the purview of civilian leaders of the military. Now, to be clear, we have no way of knowing that the stress of these demands contributed to General Smith's health emergency, but safe to say it did not help. Smith himself telling the Marine Corps Times last month, quote, it is not 
a sustainable thing when the last thing you do is flip your computer off at 11.30 at night and you're getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning. General Smith is now receiving care, according to the Marine Corps, as they scramble to fill the void. Because as I mentioned, Smith does not have a confirmed deputy. The Senate hasn't confirmed an assistant commandant of the Marine Corps, hat tip Tommy Tuberville. The senior most... Okay, so just explain to us, Ron, how, I mean, this has now become even more serious, not that it wasn't before, but when when people get physically ill as a result of these his desire to block these policies, then this this kind of goes up a run, doesn't it? Yeah, and the person who is most unhappy about this, besides the, the people in the military, is Mitch McConnell, you know, because... Mm-hmm. Mitch is wrecking. Mitch is said, I mean, he says this is hurting us. This is hurting Senate Republicans. It's hurting our candidates because you're making us look bad Uh, because, look, the Republicans cannot be seen as anti-military. That's they consider that they're part of their base. You know, the veterans, the military, law enforcement, if they are perceived in any way to be anti-military, they're in they're done. They're in trouble. They're going under. And so you got this one knucklehead, this stubborn mule who will not give in on these promotions under any circumstance, no matter what happens. And he doesn't know anything at all about the military. Every time he's asked about the military, he talks about woke and he starts equating it to his football teams that he coached. This guy knows nothing. Or he talks about his dad who served. Well, that doesn't that doesn't help help us right now. And so his argument always was this doesn't affect anything. It doesn't affect readiness. And now you have the commandant of the Marine Corps, 59 years old, having a heart attack, trying to work two jobs for the last five months. Interestingly, so now Tuberville says, well, we'll approve his deputy. We'll get him through. Well, this deputy is doing two jobs himself because his deputy hasn't been confirmed. So now this guy is going to have to do four jobs while the commandant recovers from the heart attack. So this guy is just an idiot. And, and, you know, Charles Chuck Schumer is not letting them off, letting him off the hook. He's basically saying, no, if you want to continue to play these games, you're going to, the Republicans are going to get hurt politically. And let's be clear. There is a new war in the middle East and, you know, the U.S. Navy has got has got warships. It's having to shoot down missiles that are being fired from Yemen. There, There is active military action going on now that the U.S. is involved in. And, you know, this this is the reason why everyone needs to be singing off the same hymn sheet. And it's a little bit like the speaker vote, isn't it? You know, we were talking about how, last week about how together and aligned the Democrats were behind Hakeem Jeffries and just generally. And yet there was this chaos in the Republican Party trying to find some common ground or agreement. And and it's the same when it comes to being ready for military action. You know, everybody needs to be on board. And people like him, they are actually, they could potentially cause serious problems for the U.S. military. The U.S. military cannot ever be reactive. You know, we yeah. I served in the, in the Marines. We're we're always pro- we there was a, there's a saying that you, the, you make a big mistake when you train for the last war. Right. You, you don't train for the last war. You train for the next war. So you have to anticipate what that is and prepare for that, what it could be. 
what Tuberville's policy is, is, is like, well, we'll just wait till something happens and then we'll just, we'll promote those people. So it's all reactive. It's, we need, no, we need to have people in place to repair for things ahead of time, yeah. not, okay, now there's a crisis, we'll promote a few people to take care of it. And the second part is, if you really have a problem with Joe Biden's policy on abortion, you know, you defeat him in the presidential election. These generals have nothing to do with it. They have nothing to do with making the policy. So you're protesting the wrong people. Isn't so this part of the problem, wrong. though, when you are, as a political party, when you are behind and you're not able to win these arguments, that you end up going through the back door to try and make your point? And and this is what he's doing in this case. He, he is protesting the, uh, the abortion issue in the, in, in the wrong room. Yeah, exactly. Using the wrong forum, uh, using a pr procedural trick, a procedural yeah. gimmick to make his point about a, a big political issue and using the U.S. military to make a, a political point, uh, which is which is completely the opposite of what the military is supposed to be about. And of course, you know, Ukraine, unfortunately, has kind of lost the focus and attention since the uh, attack by Hamas on Israel and then the, the following war with, with Hamas in Gaza. Um, Ukraine is obviously something that, that requires our attention in so many ways. I want to talk about Vivek Ramaswamy, who went on the Alex Jones show. I mean, this, this starts to show you where their allegiance really is, you know, being very much on the far right, the, what used to be the fringe, but it's now kind of, unfortunately, the mainstream for the Republican Party, this kind of extremist uh, conversations where they only think that like-minded people are watching, but actually you and I are watching. And, you know, we do not like what we hear. Here he is. Action, how they control uh, the parties and your fight against them. Please continue. Yeah, so on Russia, Ukraine, it's pretty simple. Do a simple peace deal that's reasonable, okay, that says the Russian-speaking regions that are already occupied, we're not going to fight a war with a major nuclear power in the form of Russia over that region. They get that deal. They also get a hard commitment that NATO doesn't admit Ukraine to NATO. NATO's been a disaster. We should have said that up front. We probably could have avoided this war, but say it now. But in return, we require that Putin exit his military alliance with China. The Russia-China military alliance, that's what worries me. And we are pushing Russia further into China's arms. Another one who knows nothing about the military, knows nothing about international relations, just shouts, makes a whole lot of noise, and, and people will buy it because there's so much confidence there. You know, when I watched this interview, what I thought was, this is what Donald Trump has brought us, which yeah. is the, I, the concept that we can just grab anyone and make them president. Like you don't have to have any experience whatsoever in any area of the government. Um, you know, at least, you know, Obama wasn't that much, you know, what it wasn't a politician for very long, but he was in the Senate. You know, he did have a record. And he was uh, a community organizer. Like he, yeah, he actually he involved in felt what people needed Correct. And, and, and got a kind of a free flow of information by being right there. But, but people like Vivek Ramaswamy and Donald Trump and, a, and, and half of those candidates, they are, I don't know, it's just like they're, they're, they'd be better off working as like influencers on Instagram. Yeah. And yet they and, want the presidency. And we have a speaker, you know, who's never been in leadership position, never really passed anything through the House. Yeah. Now he's the speaker. You know, we had a president who was a reality show host who never was in government. 
So now we have this guy, you know, who is kind of shady as far as how he made his money. Um, a lot of questions about that. Who thinks he can be president? Who's pontificating about the war between Russia? And he's just, well, we'll just give him that. And, you know, what we're going to do is we'll just give him half of Ukraine and then and then we'll just take Putin's word for it that he he won't ally himself with China. I mean, what is that? How is how's that going to deal? How's that deal going to look? I, Vladimir Putin, promise that I won't uh, cozy up to China. Yeah. Well, how do we enforce anything like that? Well, it's a little it's bit late so for naive. that as well. It's stupid. Yeah. And, and, and also the part that he's even on Alex Jones's show to begin with. Correct. Alex Jones was just on Russian television three weeks ago praising Vladimir Putin and trashing the United States and, and drinking vodka. I mean, so you, you go on that person's show when you're running for president? Um, it's just it's just a clown show with this guy. Do you get, as I do, this this kind of weird deja vu? You know, obviously Trump has spent the last six or seven years distancing himself from the Russia investigation. You know, the, the Mueller report and the Steele dossier and all of the stuff that came first. You know, Russia, Russia, Russia. He uses that. And yet, in the same breath, everything he's saying is aligned with the Kremlin. Everything he's saying is doing Putin's bidding. Everything he's is is endorsing and supporting and suggesting is making Putin rub his hands together and being like, "Yes, my son, you keep going." And and do you think that Republicans and MAGA Republicans have caught on to the fact that he's claiming not to have any connection or relationship with Russia? He used to say, "Oh, I've never been there," and then he was like, "Oh, I went there once and I was there for ten minutes." And it, None of the stuff about Trump Tower Moscow and all of the all of the you know the meetings and the finances and the meeting with the woman in Trump Tower like all the stuff, and yet he's able to say, you know, they're trying to pin Russia on me and I'm nothing to do with Russia. Here, it's here, just it's nuts, Ron. Here's the test for me with these MAGA Putin apologists, yeah. which is you know they get upset and JD Vance was upset at me last weekend because I accused him of being uh, a Putin apologist. And my test for all of them, and this is what I said to him, which is, look, go in, do a Google search. Go in their search bars on their Twitter accounts. Yeah. Just type in Putin. Do it with Ron Johnson. Do it with Vivek. Do it with uh, Rand Paul. Do it with J.D. Vance. Do it with Donald Trump. Type Putin in their search bar. See if you can find one thing that they have ever said, ever critical of Putin. That's the test to me. Yeah. And because how how is it possible that any person could be in a, a patriotic American and not oppose Vladimir Putin and everything he's about, or at least criticize him a little bit? Tucker Carlson would be another one. You will never find a word of criticism from any of those people about Putin for anything he's ever done. They, they, they. It's almost as if they haven't worked out because either they're too dumb or they've been, you know, mind controlled or brainwashed or you know using undue influence techniques, which of course we know Russia is, you know, does all the time. That they have been infiltrated, infiltrated by the Russians through a you know a delicate flow of information that has put them into the position that they're in, the mental position that they're in, where they don't realize that they're Russian apologists, but they are. Do you think they're even conscien conscious that they're doing it? 
you know, there's all theories about this, whether they're directly compromised, whether Putin has something on them. I think it's a combination. I, I yeah. think I think for a lot of people like Vivek now, they've figured out that this is what MAGA believes now, because MAGA has been conditioned to believe that Putin is a good guy and, and is somebody because by Donald Trump. So now if you want to capture that MAGA base, as Vivek wants to do or J.D. Yeah. Vance wants to do, you have to parrot that party line. I want to talk about um, the uh, mass shootings that we've seen in the last in the last week or so, because this obviously is a debate that that just rages on, unfortunately. And despite the killing of of 18 people in Maine, not to mention the number of people that were injured. And there's been more since in Florida and elsewhere that that there is no incentive or movement to do anything about any kind of gun safety legislation or or the words gun control, which I know even the gun control people don't like us to use. They'd rather we called it gun safety, which I I, I totally agree with. Um, Let me play this clip and we'll uh, talk about it. This is Grant Stitchfield. The mainstream media welcomes these mass shootings. In fact, I think in many respects with their coverage of these mass shootings, they encourage deranged lunatics to go on rampages like this. Why does the mainstream media like it? Because it allows them to push their gun control agenda. It allows the leftist lawmakers from a state level to a federal level to go on their absolute destruction quest of the Second Amendment as well. I mean, it's it's beyond parody now, Ron. Yeah, this is a typical right wing trick, you know, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. The left wants mass shootings so they can take your guns away. I mean, it it's just the insane messaging of these people. And by the way, posted that clip on Twitter and Grant Stinchfield, the host there, retweeted me when I posted that clip. So obviously he's very proud of it. Um, I mean, it's just an absurd it's, a, it's just an absurd thing that people on the left want to see people murdered so we can take your guns. And, and you know, people on the left, mo- most people aren't even arguing to take guns. That's always the, the ridiculous extreme position. Look, Speaker Johnson has already said he doesn't believe in universal background checks. He's against them. He said that this week. And what was the other one? Universal background che- and waiting periods. Yeah. He's against both of those things. Yeah. Now, universal background checks are favored by 86% of Americans. Even a huge percentage of the Republicans believe in background checks. Mike Johnson is against them. And so these are the th- and waiting periods, like a three-day waiting period, a cooling off period between the time you want to buy a gun and you get a gun. That's favored by 75% of Americans. Mike Johnson is against that. So what Democrats need to do is they need to put Republicans in those boxes, just like they're doing on abortion, and and say they're taking positions that only 15, 20 percent of America agrees with and make them go out on that limb until we get legislation. And and part of the problem, this is more of American people not being properly represented by those in Congress. Where, where the views of the congressional representatives is, is so extreme and so out of touch with what average Americans want on the subject of guns and gun control, certainly on the subject of, of abortion. I think, you know, predominantly through all the surveys, people believe that, that a woman should have the right to choose in the, in the vast majority. And yet the, the, as, the, as the Christian nationalism feeds into uh, the, the lawmakers, it'll become normalized. 
You know, that's the thing. It's like you, as with anything, you kind of get used to it and, and, and you become immune, even as America has become immune to mass shootings. Yep. The, the, the outrage is just not there anymore. Yeah, there, we have we've averaged 600 mass shootings a year for the last 20 years, 600. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's been there was nine or 10 this week. It doesn't even register anymore with no. people. You know? it, it, it's and I, I should just remind people that these mass shootings do not happen in any other civilized country in the world. No. They, they just they just don't happen. You know, I had I had a ridiculous person on Twitter re- reply to my, my, one of my gun posts. Well, in Europe, uh, people are driving cars into parades. Yeah. Well, yes. OK, that has happened, I think, four times in the last, what, 10 years. Yeah. We're talking about 600 a year. And and by the way, you know, I, I don't think I don't think there's thousands of people in Europe being killed by people plowing cars into parades and terrorist attacks. But we regulate cars, Ron. Exactly. We require registration. We require a license. We require training. We require insurance. You know, yeah. it's like that was that nothing was my, for a gun. Yeah, nothing, nothing for a gun. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, Carrie Lake. Uh, sorry, before we get to Carrie Lake, let's talk about uh, Donald Trump's uh, view on on Mike Pence because we should, of course, say that Mike Pence uh, was it yesterday or the day before dropped out of the presidential race. He, um, what's your thought? I don't want to say anything. What, what are your thoughts on why he's chosen to drop out now? And uh, you know, what what will Mike Pence do for a living apart from being the whitest man in America? Yeah, I mean, Mike Pence. He he ran a 1990s Republican campaign. He he ran as as like he we're going to return the Republican Party back to the days of George W. Bush and Bob Dole and yeah. and you know we're we're going to reject this populism. And Pence, I think maybe he thought that he could go out and make that argument and like change people's minds. He's just completely naive, like like so many establishment Republicans about what has happened to their own party. It's gone. It They've yeah. lost it. It's not it doesn't exist anymore. Pence just didn't understand it. He didn't get it. And so he went out there and tried to run that kind of a campaign. He's the only one who really did that. No, no one else tried to do that. Who is running? They all kind of adapted to what's going on now. He didn't. He rejected that and he paid. And so why did he drop out? He ran out of money, number one. And number two, it really got embarrassing when he was showing up at these events and there was like eight or nine people there. I mean, it it just it's got to really hurt your ego quite a bit. He got to the point where he even stopped really campaigning and he was just like plugging his wife's book. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's what he was doing. So he had to get out. To me, the interesting thing is like, Who's Pence going to endorse? And people say, well, who cares? You know, Trump already said, well, or Jason Miller, Trump's campaign guy said, well, who cares who he endorses? He's only he's only got one percent anyway. I think it does matter, though. I I think that if he comes out and endorses a Nikki Haley, as I think he'll probably do, I think that that really will will help her more than the one percent. It's going to give her the credibility to say that, you know, Trump's own vice president is supporting me. I think you're right. And I also think that Nikki Haley is going to see a kind of raft of support in in the coming weeks, you know, as the House of Cards starts to fall and the other candidates drop off. They, you know, 
don't know where they're going to end up, maybe in the basement of, uh, of, of Congress, uh, where Mike Pence kind of hid on January 6th. Maybe that's where all, all these candidates will, will find themselves. Let's take a look at this clip of um, Donald Trump giving his view. I don't know about Mike Pence. He should endorse me. He should endorse me. You know why? Because, because I had a great, successful presidency, and he was the vice president. He should endorse me. Uh, I chose him, made him vice president. But people, people in politics can be very disloyal. I've never. Seen- <laughs> it's so. It's so. It's this just guy, laughable. You know, I listen to you know everything Trump yeah. says, every speech, every rally. This guy has trashed Mike Pence for three years, called him every name in the book, disloyal, yeah. traitor, treasonous, yeah. everything you could think of. And here he is. Well, he should endorse me. And if he if he doesn't, he's disloyal. I mean, These people on. are just so weird. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, it's just so and Pence weird. will never endorse Donald Trump. No. He will not do it. No. Well, he, he won't even say his name. I mean, you know, he always kind of yeah. dances, dances around it. Um, okay, I want to, we, we have to finish in a couple of minutes, but there is kind of quite a big story about Carrie Lake and this race for the, the Senate uh, in Arizona. Just kind of update us on, on what's happening there, because you know, this is kind of important news, isn't it? Well, many of the really smart political forecasters right now are saying that it the trend is right now that the Democrats are looking like they're going to take back the House but lose the Senate. Yeah. So both houses are going to flip. And the and mostly the reason for that is mathematics, which is so many of the Republicans who went in in 2022 in the midterms are in districts that Biden won and and they're and they've they've governed, they've they their voting record is very far right. And so they have a hard time holding on to those seats. And people like Santos is in trouble. People like Boebert's in trouble. You know, there's other there's other people in trouble that aren't even in Biden districts. Yeah. Uh, so so that that's the reason for optimism in in the House. But the Republicans are banking on winning the Senate because of the numbers. Because there's like nine Democrats up, and 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 in many of them are in Republican states like Sherrod Brown in, in Ohio, for example. There's there's so many. Um, and in Arizona with Kristen Cinema and Carrie Lake, you know, so so these are important races that that Republicans really feel like they should win and then they will win. Pennsylvania is another one uh, with Bob Casey. Uh, so so here you have this this Carrie Lake running in Arizona, who is is got huge unfavorables. Yes, her base is strongly supporting her. So always the question is, OK, if it's Carrie Lake, versus Gallego head to head, I think Democrats felt pretty good about that. But if Kristen Cinema is going to run and she has not announced yet, but if she's going to run as an independent, what is that going to do to the race? What is that going to look like? Is she going to pull more Democrats than Republicans? Well, interestingly enough, the first reliable poll is out, which was done by Mitch McConnell and and the Senate Republicans that showed that Cinema is pulling more votes from Kerry Lake than she is from Gallego. The fact, number one, that's very good news. And and number two, the fact that Mitch McConnell put this poll out publicly shows once again that he is pissed off about what he calls candidate quality issues with Trump Trump candidates. 
he just went through this with Herschel Walker in Georgia, with Oz in Pennsylvania, with Bl- with Masters in, in Arizona, these Trumpian candidates that are losing races that really they should win or, or should at least have a really good shot at winning. And, and, and here's Mitch saying, here we go again. In Montana, we he could blow that because it looks like they might they might put Rosendale up against John Tester and blow that race. Um, that's a red state, and they could blow Arizona too with this Kerry Lake. Have you noticed that Mitch McConnell seems to have come back to life recently after being almost dead a few weeks ago? Maybe he's had a vitamin shot or something. But I've seen a couple of interviews of him where he's really quite lucid. I mean, that that is a quite a turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, well, talk to the QAnon people. He's probably on the adrenochrome, you know, <laughs> harvesting the blood of children. Right, yeah. <laughs> or ivermectin or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we're going to finish with uh, a story about Ron DeSantis. Um, I know you, you being in Florida, obviously you have a kind of close personal connection to him as, as your governor. Uh, he still thinks that he can be the president, though. And um, I'm going to show this clip, but just tell us about how he got on this show to be interviewed, because it was almost like they played a bit of a trick on him in order to get him to to just show up. So this was a very online thing, this thing over his heel lifts that myself and and the Dilly mean te- meme team who's affiliated loosely with the Trump campaign. I mean, they're not paid people, but they they're rabid volunteers have had fun with DeSantis's shoes for the last six months. And we yeah. we've zoomed in on it and we also do all the snot videos. So this is one area where sort of like there is some informal coordination between us and the Trump people to try and, you know, go after DeSantis. And it's been, it's been fun and it's been funny and all of that. But what has now made it mainstream is this interview, which is great. You know, he went on this podcast and he clearly was not expecting this, but this is a Trump guy who's doing this, who's hosting this podcast. He, he is with the Trump campaign or or helping the Trump campaign. He worked for Donald Trump in the Trump white house. And so he ambushed DeSantis by asking him about his heel lifts, and you can just see DeSantis squirming. and And this interview has taken our little meme game and our little fun, fun and game stuff, and has taken it mainstream because now it's on all the mainstream news. So, well, so humiliation is a, is very helpful. I only wish that Donald Trump was humiliated by the media as as much as Ron DeSantis, because you know when you get a candidate who is either ridiculous or so um, extremist and fascist that they need to be put in their place. I often think in politics, humiliation is the best way to go about that. Anyway, here he is. I have people around me that love to say, hey, Pat, you got something between your teeth. These are the annoying people in your life, right? Hey, Pat, pull your zipper up. You know, hey, Pat, do this. Hey, pull one of your socks is lower than the other one. I'm sure your marketing team points out how they're trying to troll you in the marketplace. Okay, I'm sure they're doing that. Can you bring this one clip? I know you were on, uh, 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 what do you call it, on, uh, uh, what was it, Bill Maher, and Bill Maher talked about the boots. I've seen you walk with these boots. Go ahead and play this clip. This on TikTok went viral. It doesn't have a million views. It doesn't have, you know, 10 million views. This thing's got 1.2 million likes. And and some people are wondering. How, what are they? I don't even, under, so I haven't what, seen that. What there's, they've not shown this to you. Okay, no. what they're trying to say with this is that in your boots, you have heels. No, no, no. That's yeah, what no, no to those say. are just standard off the rack. Um, Lucchese, um, how, how Lucchese. Tall are you? Book, how tall are you, Governor? How tall? Five eleven. Five eleven. Okay. Why don't you wear tennis shoes and dress shoes? 
Uh, I do wear tennis shoes when I work out. Yeah, 100%. you do. Yep. Okay, I got a gift for you. I'd love for you to wear. Okay, I shop at Ferragamo. Okay, and I got. I don't accept gifts. I can't accept I, it. I totally get I'm it. I'm sorry. I'm gonna put it here, and Ferragamo can get a nice sponsorship. <laughs> and then, okay, if you wear it, you fared. I know. It, it, no, but here's a, the thing. I mean, I think we just. I mean, <laughs> the whole thing is just stupid and dumb anyway, isn't it? But what's the point here? A, to get DeSantis to admit to being a certain height. I mean, what do you think about 5'11"? Is that accurate? No, he's not 5'11". <laughs> he's like 5'8", five 5'9". Five yeah. But no, the point, see, some people take this the wrong way, and they have taken it the wrong way in their replies to me, right. which is that I'm picking on him for being short. I'm I'm not. I'm 5'10". You know, I'm not. I'm not a tall guy. So that's not the point. The point is, is that this man is so insecure about himself and his height and his physical appearance that he had special inserts made in these boots, which he wears everywhere, including settings where boots are not appropriate because he's got them custom made to make himself appear physically taller. It goes to his own insecurity and uh, heck, uh, uh, Don Jr. said this week that that could end up starting World War Three. The fact that our, you have a leader who's that insecure, leaving out, of course, the fact that, by the way, Donald Trump wears lifts in his shoes as well. They're just much more cleverly disguised. The, the, the insecurity of these characters, you know, who want to uh, attain these high office positions, it's not a place for the insecure, really, is it? You need to you need to have a, a reasonable confidence and be comfortable with your with your height and your weight and your looks and and yet it seems that DeSantis and Donald Trump and in fact a whole bunch of candidates. I'm sure Vivek Ramaswamy's got a you know he seems to be quite vain. He's always got a beautiful mane of hair, perfectly backcombed. I just I just don't understand why people want these jobs in the first place. You know, I mean, but it's very common on the right is that the, the, fir the first thing they're going to attack is physical is some physical attribute about you. Like, yeah. they, I mean, they're going to do it with me. They're going to do it with anybody on the left. With uh, Their first reaction is always to attack you for something you can't control. You know, something how you're born, yeah. whether it's being bald or whatever. Uh, and that you that's what they took do. It, took it to me? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, Dan Bongino went after me about. The, he said I should shave all my hair, as you've told me as well. Uh, so he attacked me for that this week. But but that's their answer to an argument. That that's how they respond is to do that. So so yes, this thing gets under their skin when you go at them that way. It really does bother them. Does it frustrate you like it does me that there really is a shortage of in-depth, analytical, and intellectual political? discourse you know they're, 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 i just find this about the u.s and i'm only speaking because obviously i come from england and we have we have a, like some really good news programs on where an audience is invited and then people are you know ask questions and the public can you would call them like a town square event right which we have these shows on every week we have a show called news night which is a very powerful nightly news conversation where there is very kind of intellectual and in-depth analysis and I, and I feel it's so missing from the American news media. There really is a kind of shortage of, of, of deep talk about some of these really important issues. And yet what? here we are talking about someone being too short and did you wear lifts? I mean, who cares? What do you remember about the Pence 
Kamala Harris debate? Not very much, unfortunately. The fly is oh, what, yeah, of course, on the head. That's what most people remember. Right, that's a perfect example. It's a perfect example. It's things like that decide elections. I mean, they they really it, it these these things. Americans really, uh, you know, I think Ron DeSantis will lose more votes over his heels yeah. than on anything he says on on the campaign trail. This is America. Welcome to America. <laughs> <laughs> you were born here i chose to come here <laughs> um listen i wouldn't live anywhere else and i wouldn't spend my wednesday with anyone else so ron Philipkowski, thank you so much don't forget ron is the editor editor in chief at uh, midastouch.com which uh, kind of looks like a news feed now as if you you know like twitter used to so if you want to scroll on your phone or go on your computer to uh, midastouch.com you'll get the very latest uh, of what's happening in the uh, kind of political world here in the United States and beyond. Um, Ron, thank you again. We'll do it next week. And um, always a pleasure. If you want to catch the audio podcast, that'll drop later tonight. And if you want to watch again, you can rewind straight after this show and have another look. I'm Anthony Davis. Thanks for joining us on Uncovered. <laughs> 